A man came to a fork in the road on a, a backcountry lane. He'd never been that way before. The road sign at the fork in the road pointed both directions and had the same, name, same town name on both signs, pointing in both directions on the fourth fork in the road. He saw, the man saw a farmer off in a field off to the side, and he hollered out to the farmer and said, Excuse me, uh, does it matter which road I take to get to town? And the farmer said, Not to me it don't. If you've, uh, if you've been here uh, at all over the last uh, several weeks, and if you've learned anything through the course of this teaching series, I hope that you've learned that, that when we ask God which way to go, it, it does indeed matter to him, unlike that farmer. God has a will for your life, and he wants you to know it. And, and so sometimes God's will for you is obvious. Uh, sometimes it's not so obvious. Uh, we've been uh, in this series since the, the beginning of the, of the new year, uh, looking at, well, what's next? What, uh, what steps do I need to take? How do I discover uh, God's will uh, for my life? Uh, and sometimes that's obvious, and we step into that, and we've been learning some things along the way, uh, uh, sometimes not so obvious. I, I think I've insinuated uh, this, and maybe it's, it's insinuated in the question uh, of asking, well, what is God's will for my life? But, but um, I, I want you to know, I, I think it's important to, uh, to underline and circle this, it is possible to miss God's will. It's possible to not follow God's will. I I mean, I I don't say that to scare you, and it's not like you can't recover from it and that God can't redeem it, and uh, no doubt there have been steps in my past that I have taken amiss, and yet uh, things have have, uh, been redeemed and I've gotten back on the right track and those kinds of things. But, but, But God's will is the best way in the long run, and it is possible for us to choose not to follow him. A lot of people say uh, something like, uh, well, everything's just going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. Or uh, everything happens for a reason. I mean, that's true. Everything does happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason is I was stupid and I didn't follow God's will. And that's why it happened, right? It's part of the blessing, I guess, of having free will. Uh, God is in charge, but he loves us too much to make us follow him. We have to choose to follow him. And so if it's possible to choose to follow God's will, to find out God's will and follow it, it's also possible for us to choose to not to follow God's will. There's a whole lot of grammar messed up in that, but just you know what I'm talking about. You can miss God's will for your life. It's possible. Let me also say that, 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 that sometimes there are multiple ways to go that are just fine. Now, there are some times that, that, that God has a very unique calling, and he calls us to a specific time, to a specific place. The story of Esther comes to mind, where, where uh, Esther is encouraged that, that perhaps you are in this place and in this time for such a time as this. And, and God has a call, and the Bible is full of those, those times, and, and no doubt you have stories of those times in your lives as well. Uh, and, and those things happen. God calls us to a specific time, to a specific place, to do a specific thing. Sometimes God's will is that we enjoy him and we enjoy life. And there could be many right ways of living within the center of God's will. So, so how do we tell the difference? How do we figure that out? Well, that's what this series has been about. And so I want to kind of summarize for those of you who haven't been, uh, been here for, for any of this. Uh, this will catch you up. And for those of you that have been, 
this will catch you up too, because they say that you all forget like 95% of the sermon by, by, the, by Tuesday afternoon anyway, right? So, so we'll try to, try to catch you up uh, and, uh, and remind you about a few things that we've been walking through uh, as we kind of wrap up this series today. So, so we've been telling you, I've been telling you, probably are, are sick of me saying that, that the, the Bible describes God's will in three ways. There are three aspects of God's will. It's providential will, which is what God is going to do no matter what. God is up to something in the world, and, and he's, he's accomplishing things, and uh, it's God's providential will. These things are going to happen. There's also uh, talk in scripture about God's moral will. And these are the standards of right and wrong, righteousness, holiness, things that we need to do, uh, th- avoiding sin and following God. And so there's God's moral will. And, and, and so God's personal will for me, and that's the third thing, uh, God's uh, providential will, his moral will, and then his personal will. His personal will for my life, for your life, will rest within, will not contradict his providential will or his moral will. It, it will fit within those things. And so that, that gets rid of a whole lot of things. We're trying to say, well, what's next? Where do I go? What do I, well, let's see. Does it match up to God's moral will? Well, it doesn't. Okay. Well, then I don't even have to pray about it. I, I just know that I'm not going to do that. That's not God's will to follow that because it's, it's, uh, it doesn't match up to God's mor- moral will. And, and as I, and, and so what we said is that uh, the more you get to know God's providential will and the more you obey God's moral will, the easier it will be to discover his personal will for your life. We also said, and I've talked to you about vision. The, as the vision gets clear, God has a vision for your life, and as you figure out and, and get clear on, clearer and clearer on that vision, uh, then, then the, uh, the options get fewer and the decisions get easier, right? I've also said that, uh, that, that we uh, find out God's will. We're seeking after God's will, not for our consideration. God's not sharing his, his will with us uh, for our consideration, but for our participation, and so it's not that we're taking God's advice and maybe we'll take that into account and, and try to... No, when we're seeking God's will, he is get, telling us, this is the way to go. Walk in this. Follow this. And, and we're not just saying, yeah, that sounds good, but let me check five different other and see what I... We're following God's will. It's not for our consideration. It's so that we'll participate. And then last week, we talked a lot about getting quiet and getting close to God. And that's really the secret, really, in, in trying to figure out God's personal will for our lives, because it's, it's the only way that you'll really hear God's voice and you'll sense his direction. Uh, as I said last week, God, God doesn't usually yell. Usually, he whispers. And to hear a whisper, you have to get quiet and get close. And some of you didn't hear that, because I got quiet. God, I also, uh, in, in that conversation, I said I've never heard an audible voice of God, so don't think, you know, don't go uh, calling the, uh, the, the emergency room or anything and saying the pastor's hearing voices. It's, that's, that's not, it's not an audible voice from God, but God's whispers always sound like peace in our hearts, right? Scripture says that, uh, that, that, that when we pray, it's the peace of God that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds. He says the, the, the fruit of righteousness. In Isaiah, he says the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. God's peace, it, when we're considering, okay, do I do this? Do I do this? I'm all torn up about, okay. As God's peace washes across our soul, as we get quiet and we get close to him, that's how we sense his direction. 
for our lives. And so I said, well, okay, well, how do we get quiet and get close? And that's kind of where we are right in the middle of that. Uh, because last week I, I told you two main things that we need to do in order to, to, uh, listen, to quiet ourselves, to get close, uh, prayer and, uh, Bible, the, the spending time in, in God's word, the Bible, right? And, and those are just basic, basic things. We, we've got to do those things, uh, in, in order to, to get quiet and to listen to what God might have to say. We've got to get rid of the distractions and focus in on Him through prayer, focus in on Him through his word. Today I want to walk through just a few more very practical things, practical ways that we can quiet ourselves and listen for the voice of God. The first one is the church. Right here, where, where we're at. Not just where we're at, but who we're, who we're here with, right? Uh, many times we, we make hearing from God a very personal, individualized thing. This is this, this is my, it's, it's me and Jesus, and, uh, I'm gonna go off and pray, and we've talked about that, and we've pro- talked about the importance of that. Uh, it, it's, it's all about, uh, getting alone with God, and, and we want to, we want to hear from Him, and we want to spend time away, and we go up on a mountain somewhere, and we, we, uh, hum a lot, and, and then maybe we'll, we'll find the voice of God, right? No, it's a key element that a lot of times we miss, in discerning God's will involves other people, primarily the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 uh, spell this out. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So one primary reason that we even do what we're doing today is so that we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds. What's next? What are the next good things that God has prepared? Well, I might just find that out as I spend time with God's people. And I get spurred on toward love and good deeds. What does that look like? Well, uh, one way that that happens is through worship. You've been spending time this morning experiencing God and his presence, and through that, God can speak to us about the next steps in our lives. Through corporate worship, through through uh, singing, through praying, through uh, reading scripture, through the proclamation of biblical truth. God can bring you to a moment of clarity uh, and a decision that you will probably not get anywhere else except right here in this setting. There are many times that I have sensed God's instruction or conviction or encouragement in a worship service just like this. Many times I've, I've made my way down to an altar like this and I've prayed and, and, and committed myself to take the next step, to do the next thing, uh, to, okay, this is where I need to, and, and it was through worship in the church. I have very clear recollections of, of, of certain church sanctuaries, of, of, uh, what the altars looked like and which side I was kneeling on and, and who came and prayed. The, the turning points in my life where I left things behind and I moved off in another trajectory because God was leading me to do that and that happened in the context of worship through the church, the body of Christ, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. God speaking through the church. Those steps in my life probably would not, I, I would not have taken them if I had not participated in those corporate services, those events, uh, uh, together with God's people. God speaks through Christian worship. God also speaks through the church as we not just gather with a big group like this, uh, but, but also through study when we get together, uh, with, uh, with each other. There are insights to be gained, uh, there are questions to be answered, there's direction to be received, there's debates to be had, there's wrestling that happens as we gather around God's word with God's people 
together. That's why we, we, we think around here that it is vitally important to be a part of a class or a group. We have Sunday school classes on Sunday mornings and we have uh, three different groups that, that meet throughout the week. And, and, uh, and, and, and so if you're not a part of one of those things, God can speak to you through the setting of a, of a study group like that. We, we push each other, we challenge each other, we encourage each other. Uh, there are different perspectives that are seen that, that you would never have if you weren't immersed in that group in that, uh, as a part of that, that discussion. So if you are not a regular part of, uh, of worship and a regular part of, uh, of a group, then I believe you'll be limited in how much you will sense God's direction for your life. Sure, God can speak to you as you, as you get alone on that mountain and hum a lot, that's fine. And, and you're praying and you're seeking Him through God's Word personally, but there's something rich and significant that takes place that you'd be missing out on if you're not also immersing yourself in the church. God speaks through other people and many times that happens through the church. Many times that can also happen uh, in, in personal conversation as we get advice from godly people, and that's the next thing. So in addition to those corporate times or those group times, uh, some, sometimes uh, we, we, we just seek out advice from someone, maybe one or two, three, five people that, are, that, we, uh, that we, uh, we think would have a good perspective. You don't have to figure out God's will for your life on your own. It's okay to ask people for advice. In fact, it's encouraged uh, that we ask people for advice. The book of Proverbs, cover to cover, is uh, is is all about that. Um, uh, Proverbs, King Solomon speaking in the Old Testament, and uh, and he says, "Let the in verse uh, verse five of chapter one, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance." Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen for lack of guidance a nation falls but many advisors make victory sure uh, twelve fifteen the way of a fool seems right to him but a wise man listens to advice thirteen ten pride only breeds quarrels but wisdom is found in those who take advice fifteen twenty two plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors they succeed nineteen twenty listen to advice and accept instruction and in the end you will be wise you get the idea. We are not only, that's not only an okay thing to do, but it's something that is encouraged that we need to seek advice from godly people. Now, there's a couple of things that will will help uh, direct that uh, as you're seeking advice. First is that you need to choose the right people. You notice I said advice from godly people. Uh, I didn't say go get some advice somewhere. We need to be discerning in, in where, we, uh, where we look for this advice. Find someone that you respect. Find someone who, is, who seems to be deep in spiritual things and deep in their spiritual life and their walk with God. And actually, this probably happens. It doesn't just happen like a one-and-done thing, like you go see somebody and they look extra holy, and so you tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm going through this thing. What do you think? Probably this happens because you have proactively sought out relationships with godly people. And over time, you have allowed them to uh, speak into your life. You've allowed yourself to be mentored by them. You have grown in not only in your relationship with them, but they have helped you grow in your relationship with God. And, and, and so even before you're seeking answers to specific questions, you are, uh, you are engaging in a relationship with these folks that will grow you. And, and so then when these things come up and you need to discern God's will and, and I don't know what in the world to do, you already have the relationship established. They know God, and they know you, and through that connection, there can be some wonderful uh, advice given. Just yesterday, I did this in my own life. 
with a, with a, with a question and I thought, I just need, I think I know what's right. I think I know, it, but I just need some, and I had somebody I could call. Not because, oh, I just picked somebody out of the, out of the, uh, the phone book and said, hey, let's, uh, show me, show me what this is. There was a relationship that has been ongoing for years. And he knows me and he knows the situation and he knows God intimately and he could speak into that. Ask godly people for counsel. So we need to ask the right people. We also need to ask the right questions, right? It's not just, so what should I do? Tell me what should I do. What a couple of questions. There's probably tons that are fine to ask, but a couple of questions. Are, you're asking this person, are, are any of the options outside the boundaries of Scripture? So I'm looking at this, and I'm going, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And, and okay, you're, you've been uh, spending a lot of time with, with God and with Scripture. Do any of these sound a little shady, a little shaky, a little sketchy? Do I need to avoid any of these things? It has to, God's personal will will never be outside of his moral will, right? And so, so, uh, sometimes these godly folks can say, hey, you know, that one's probably not, and this option isn't, so you really need to, this is, and so we need to ask the question, are there any of these options that are outside the boundaries of scripture? We, we could also ask, what do you think would be the wise thing to do? So maybe it's not a moral issue. Maybe there are, uh, there are options that are just fine morally. So then uh, these folks might say from an objective uh, uh, observing uh, uh, point of view, well, what would make sense here? What, what is the wise thing to do? Not just what I could do, but what is the wise thing to do? Uh, another question might be, what would you do if you were me? Again, if they know you already and, and they're walking with God closely, there might be a sense of, well, I'd probably do that. Just, just a few things. Ask uh, the right people and ask the right questions. So God speaks to us through prayer and through scripture. He also speaks to us through the church in worship and in study. He also speaks to us through godly people. And then the next one is many times God directs us through our gifts and our skills and our passions. God has made you just the way you are and he will use your gifts and talents and passions and interests. God will use what you love and what you're good at in order to accomplish his plans. And a great way to figure out uh, his will is to figure out who I am and who God has made me. And when I figure that out, then that might just fit exactly perfectly with, one, with an option that we're, we're trying to decide what to do and where to go. Psalm 139, awesome, awesome uh, uh, psalm there in, in, uh, uh, in, in the Old Testament. Ver- beginning in verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God has knit you. Isn't that an awesome picture? God has knit you together even before you were born. He has made you who you are. And that's not just an accident. And that you just might drift into something that uh, he might want you to do. No, he's made you. In, in Ephesians, he says that, that God has created you. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you. To, so he's made you specifically like you are in order to do the things that he wants you to do. And so if I can find out who I am in Christ and how he has made me and how he is growing me and the passions that I have and the skills that I have, and what I love and what I'm good at and, and what breaks my heart, then that's going to take me way down the road and what God might want me to do. 
I do want to push back for just a second. Maybe you'll agree with this, maybe you won't. But a lot of people take those verses and a couple other passages in Scripture like it, and they take those to mean that God has already determined my steps and set them in stone before I was ever born, and they're going to happen that way regardless of what I do. It's called determinism, and it's the belief that we don't really have free will to choose because it's all going to happen the way God has determined it's going to happen. In reading through Scripture, I don't think that's, that's the way it is. I, these verses say that God has a wonderful plan for your life, and He has knit you together. You were created by Him. He has dreams for who you can become and what you can accomplish, and He would love nothing less than for you to follow His plan for your life. He has set you up for success. As I said few minutes ago, but it's possible to not follow God's plan for your life. It's possible to turn your back on God. It's possible to go the other way. It's possible to think that, that, that I know best and I'm going to do whatever I want to do uh, despite what God has ordained or desired for me, despite how he has knit me together. One of our, uh, our, our literally, our, our core verse here in, in this whole passage is uh, two verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will make your paths straight. It's only when we acknowledge him in all our ways that he'll direct our paths. So don't read that, that all your days ordained for me were written before I was born to mean that you can't screw this up, that God's already got a plan. Uh, again, I don't want to scare you, but you can screw that up. <laughs> It's possible to sin and to go against what God wants. Those are God's dreams for you. You need to dream God's dreams and follow him. Again, that being said, God has knit you together. Before you even had conscious knowledge of who you were, God made you. And knowing that gives great insight in where he might want to lead you, where he might want to use you. God's personal will for your life will probably take advantage of the ways that he has designed you. Your unique gifting is usually an amazing tool to find answers to the next steps in your, in your journey with God. Now, I'm not saying that you'll always be super confident in that. Uh, we're always finding out more about who we are. We're always finding out more about uh, how, how God works in the world. And, and so uh, many times I feel grossly inadequate when I sense God calling me to do something. Uh, so so that's, uh, we'll, we'll rely, God does that, so we'll rely on him more and not just say, well, I did that because I'm really, really good. No, God is really, really good, and he has knit me together, and he's calling me to do something that I can't do without him. And so it's not that we can just jump in and do it on our own, but your skills and your gifts and your personality, your likes and your dislikes, um, are all great things to explore as you're trying to discover what's next, as you're trying to discover God's personal will for your life. The next one there is open doors or opportunities. Many times we make this the number one thing. Many times this is at the top of the list. That's why I put it at the bottom of the list on purpose. Just because it's possible doesn't mean it's right. Just because it seems impossible doesn't mean it's wrong. So we can't take this just on its own and say, oh, something, look at that. Oh, I've got uh, the possibility to take this job. 
Just because it's possible, just because it's an open door, doesn't mean that I need to walk through it. I've still got to use all of these other things. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of this. It's kind of like a dance. There's not any one set, if you just do this, 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 and this, there's a formula to it, and poof, at the end, we'll find God's will. It's more like a dance, a work of art. Uh, we learned in our growth group a couple weeks ago that word workmanship in, in that verse I quoted from Ephesians 2.10 says uh, you are God's workmanship. It's actually the, the word in Greek means poem. You are God's po- He's writing the poem of your life. It's a work of art. And sometimes it's kind of messy and sometimes we got to... And, and so we, we take uh, scripture and we take our times of prayer and we take times where we're gathered with God's people and we're, we're listening to him in, in worship and in study and we're, we're, we're spending time asking uh, godly people in our lives to, uh, to, to speak into our lives and to try to understand these things. We're, we're looking at all of these ways. We're looking at what's possible and what seems impossible and we're taking it all and, and we're just seeking God and we're seeking after the peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds as we seek to take the next step in our journey with God. An an open door with peace through prayer and scripture and godly advice and all the rest uh, can give pretty clear direction. If some of these things are conflicting, then maybe we need to step, step back and wait. I say all that and then I still say God still uses open doors and many times uh, that open door is a great indicator of this is the way, walk thou in it. Uh, Revelation 3.8, see I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And so God does open those doors and he provides the way and sometimes that's his, his clear direction and maybe we've prayed about it, maybe we've sought advice and they're saying I think it might be and then all of a sudden the door opens and we go through it and, and it's a, a wonderful sense of, of, uh, of clarity in that. Well, I've talked a lot about a lot of different things. Just a couple other pointers uh, here this morning. You might say, well, I've tried all these kinds of things and I just can't seem to, to figure this out. I, I can't sense God's direction for my life. Just not, I'm just not getting it. I'm, maybe I'm not, you know, uh, tuning into the right frequency or whatever. I've, I'm just not, not there. I heard this years ago, I don't even remember where, but I think it's great advice. Go to the last place that you know you heard God's voice and obey him in that. Make sure you are obeying him there. Most of the time, doesn't, God doesn't give us a full map of the whole plan. He gives us the next step. Kind of like uh, GPS, turn-by-turn directions, right? Okay, you're going to go on this road for a couple of miles, and then you're going to turn. And once you get there, I'll tell you what's next. And so if we haven't obeyed in that first one, we're not going to go know what this one is and that one is and this one is. And so we need to go back to the place where we know we sensed God's direction and we obey him there. And once we take that step, his direction will become clear for the next. Uh, another pointer is don't get impatient. These things take time. I forget what pastor it was, was wringing his hands one day and someone asked him what's going on and he said, well, I'm in a hurry and God isn't. I've been there. A.T. Pearson put it this way, we can afford to wait as long as he can, for it is his work, way, and time that are of all consequence. If, therefore, guidance does not at once come, it is safer to wait till it does. A step taken too soon may be a step taken amiss. A step taken too soon may be a step taken amiss. Maybe you're going in the right way and doing the right thing, but it's at the wrong time. 
I think I mentioned last week, Henry Blackaby said, uh, many times we need to quote the, the, the popular phrase, we need to turn it around a little bit differently. Uh, don't just do something, stand there, right? We need to stop. We need to wait for clear direction from God. So don't get impatient. One more thing, you're not going to understand it all. We're not seeking to understand everything before we go anywhere. Uh, but it, that's okay because God understands it all. Proverbs 20, verse 24 says, A man's steps, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? So God is directing our steps. We're not going to understand it all. Ultimately, it comes back to knowing God and trusting him, which is the core of this whole series from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't, don't mess with what, don't just lean on what makes sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, get to know him, try to understand him, draw near to him, get close to him, uh, know him more and more, grow in your relationship with him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. We get to know and trust him as we spend time with him in prayer. As we study the Bible, as we read his words, as we spend time with godly people and let them rub off on us and, and all these other things, as we do all these things and more, there is a promise there. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he promises to direct your path. To me, that means that if I'm not sensing his direction, it's not that God isn't speaking, it's that I'm not listening yet. It probably won't be written in the sky probably won't be a construction sign on the side of the road or written on your mirror. It won't be a heavenly email or a text message. You won't uh, probably hear an audible voice from the clouds. God's direction, as I said, God's direction sounds like peace. It's an assurance. And as you get close and as you listen and as you pursue him and you get to know him more and as you follow his moral directions for your life, his peace will flood your soul and his peace will direct your paths, will make your paths straight. Just one story as we close today. Uh, up, up the road from my middle school in, in Columbus was the Ohio School for the Deaf. I say was, it's still there. Uh, right on Morse Road, maybe you know where that is. If you're familiar, if you take I-71 down there, uh, it's just like two turns and you can be at the Ohio School for the... It's probably an hour and a half, but it's two turns. And it's right on Morse Road uh, there in, uh, in Columbus. Our school actually used to play. We, we'd practice there sometimes. We'd walk up from, from our uh, little Christian school. We'd walk up and we'd use their fields. And that's just a huge complex. I don't know how many uh, hundreds of acres it's there. But, but uh, we used to use their fields. And then we would used to play them in soccer and in basketball. And it is an interesting, uh, different situation. Much quieter, right? Obviously. Much quieter. Uh, it was it was unique, very unique, and and so so I, as as I read about uh, um, a deaf school who had a football team, I was kind of intrigued because I played soccer uh, against the the school for the deaf, and I've played basketball against the school for the deaf. But but those are you know you don't necessarily have to talk too much in order to or be able to hear uh, in order to do those things. Uh, but um, but football just seems a whole lot more complex, right? Well, how do they do that? So I. I read a little bit about it. From what I understand, it, it, it seems as though the whole team on the field, after each play, the whole team looks to the sideline. And the coach signs out the, the next play. 
The players nod. They line up on the line. They watch the quarterback who makes certain signs. Again, they can't do the countdown. They can't whatever. A lot of it is, is on timing and on certain signs. Maybe a, a, a tap on the rump or something like that. But they, they, uh, they, they, uh, watch the quarterback and at the certain sign, they run the play. And then everybody looks back over to the coach again. Line up again. Watch the quarterback play. Plays down. Let's look back over to the coach again. Now, it's not just the players on the field that do that, but also the players on the sideline. You've seen, and you'll see today when you watch the Super Bowl, um, you'll, you'll see, you know, uh, how many 3,000 people on the sidelines, right? Well, I, I don't know, 50, 60, however many are on a team, uh, they're not all playing, they're not all playing at once. Many times specific plays are for specific people that you got to get those personnel in, and that's part of the, uh, the, the thing. You only got a few seconds, to, you know, the time clock is ticking down, and you got to get the right people in and the right people off, and still only have 11 at a time on the field. And, and and so, so uh, the, the people on the sidelines then, uh, all the players on the sidelines, after every play, they look to the coach. And the coach makes the call and signs them in. And if their number is called, then they run out and they get the other guy off the field and they do the play. And then everybody, not only on the field, look into, but also the people on the sidelines look into the coach. And he makes the next sign. And he tells them where they fit into the play. And he says, go do it. And they go out and they watch the quarterback. And when the sign comes, they do the play and they, and that's how it happens. I wonder if that could be a picture of finding out what's next in our relationship with God, in our spiritual lives. We, we do what we truly believe, what we have peace in. We do the right that we run the play. But then, then instead of just kind of taking, oh, I think it'd be better to go here and do this and do that. No, after that, we look to the coach. We're in constant communication with the coach, with God. We're in constant communication uh, and, and, and seeking his will and seeing what's the next play. And, and maybe it's something big and huge and I'm the star and maybe I'm just a support player and maybe I'm just cheering from the sideline. But God has a plan. The coach has a purpose, a game plan. We've got to look to the coach constantly. God has a will for your life. It's possible to miss it. So we've got to be careful. God has a will for your life. He wants you to know it. So get quiet and get close as you seek direction for what's next in your relationship with him. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your your love for us and for your involvement in our lives. We thank you that you love us enough to give us free will. We thank you that you love us enough, enough to, uh, to have a will for our lives and to dream dreams for us and to, to knit us together and to, to, uh, to, to uh, desire to use us to accomplish things. You could snap your fingers and, and do whatever you want, but you desire to use us as you see fit. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of that. And, Lord, we confess that many times there are times when we miss it. There are times when we, when we don't step into your will. There are times when we know what your will is and we choose not to do it. Forgive us of those things. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we spend time with you and with your people and with your word, and as we get quiet and as we get close and as we grow in our relationship with you, Lord, I pray that we can hear you whisper all across our soul that we can sense your peace, that we will be flooded with your peace and your guidance, that, that as we trust you with all of our hearts, 
not trying to understand it all, but, but trust you with all of our hearts and, and get to know you more and more as we acknowledge you in everything. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you will direct our paths. And so go with us, I pray. May the power of your Holy Spirit uh, keep us on the right track and work through us to impact the, uh, the community where we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.